This evening we are in chapter number 3, 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. Probably the most familiar portion of 2 Timothy is the opening verses that we will read this evening. You've probably heard them quoted by preachers and Sunday school teachers, and they are very familiar words, but very powerful words. It is not my intention tonight to do an exposition of all of these words. Uh, Lord willing, we'll come back to this in a few weeks. But tonight, I want to share with you about these opening words and opening verses, what has gripped my heart and I think is very applicable to our church family tonight and to us here in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And I want to begin reading in verse 1. Before I read, I want to remind you that Paul has just told Timothy that he wants him to be strong in the grace that's in Christ. Uh, he has also told Timothy that he wants him to pass on to other generations the truth that Paul has given to him, that that generation may teach others, and truth continue down through the ages. He has told Timothy that if you're going to do that successfully, you have to endure hardness as a good soldier. You have to be like an athlete. You have to strive to master. You have to be like a farmer. You have to work diligently at this. He tells him he must be like a workman, a craftsman. In verse 15 of chapter 2, he must be diligent, study to show himself approved unto God. He must always make sure that he is an honorable vessel. And then last time we looked at how Paul talked about Timothy being a servant of the Lord. How he was to be meek and humble in how he approached the era and the correcting and the questioning of everything in his day. He's not finished. And you will hear that in the language that he is using to Timothy. There's something else that this young preacher must know. and That's the heart of what I want, to look, want us to look at tonight as we look at the church and the times in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. In light of everything he said, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he will describe 19 characteristics. I'm going to read them. 19 characteristics of evil people. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. 
They shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Very sobering. Very sobering. Tonight we come to 2 Timothy chapter 3, where we find not only a very sobering passage of Scripture, but a very bleak and ugly description of life, and especially of the times, the perilous times that Paul is writing to Timothy about. Just to give you an overview outline of the chapter, in verse 1 through 5, there is a list that I mentioned previously of 19 horrible characteristics of evil people. 19 characteristics of horrible, evil people. Then in verse 6 through 9, there is a description of how these evil people creep into houses and they use women, they take women vulnerable in this area. They take them captive. And it gives us a little glimpse into history and how the false doctrine and the evil has been going on for centuries. And then in verse 10 through 13, there is a description of what it costs those who try to live a godly life in such a culture. And then we'll look at the remaining chapter when we get there in the weeks to come. So what we have tonight, right out of the gate in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, is the specific description, very colorful, very vivid, very pointed descriptions of moral sin, moral ugliness, and evil. You can read an even longer list if you were to go to Romans 1, 29-31, but this is the list. These are the words that the Holy Spirit inspired upon the great apostle to share with young Timothy in his last letter before he goes home to meet with the Lord. Now we read this list, and it's a list that I don't know that anybody wants to get up in the morning and say, I want to spend my time thinking about people who love themselves. I want to, I want to just meditate today on people that are covetous or people that are proud and boast all the time. I'd like to think today about people that are blasphemers and I want, to, I want to try to think about every person I know who have been disobedient or are disobedient to their parents. And uh, after lunch, then, I'm going to spice things up a little by thinking about unthankful people and people who are just living unholy lives, who have no natural affection 
who are despisers of people who try to do good. They're heady, they're high-minded, they love pleasure more than they love God. None of us would want to spend our day thinking about that or meditating upon it. And yet, Paul wants Timothy to understand that these people are the people who mark the perilous times, the perilous age in which you and I are living. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 8, that as Christians, we're to think upon things that are honest and just and pure, and and surely we should do that. But he also wants us to understand and to know exactly what's happening in the times in which you and I are living. There's really one thought, one point I want to bring tonight, and it's out of the first three words of verse number one. We certainly can and or could and we will in the days ahead go deeper into the text, but tonight I, I want these three words, and I pray the Holy Spirit will bring these three words that they will become like bold-faced letters to you tonight and, and words that really stick in your heart when you hear what Paul is saying to Timothy. Now remember, he's already told him all these other things in the first, second chapters. He's used these powerful metaphors and these illustrations and common language words such as, such as a, a workman, a farmer, and, and a, a craftsman, and vessels, and servants. These words that were so, so powerful in Timothy's world. And then he says this to Timothy in verse 1. This know also. And I want to mention tonight the importance of knowing. The importance of us as God's children. The importance of knowing. Knowing what, preacher? Knowing that in the last days, knowing that in perilous times, that these are the people who are going to be living. These are the characteristics of the majority of people with whom believers live and associate with and minister to and witness to. Paul said, this know also. Other reliable English translation uses words such as this understand. Some translate it realize. The word know here in our King James text comes from the Greek word genosko, which means intelligent comprehension. And the easiest way to define that is to tell you the opposite of it. The opposite of this word is to be ignorant, to fail to recognize the character of something. And Paul is saying to Timothy, I do not want you to fail to recognize the character of the people that are in the church and outside the church who are demonstrating characteristics of evil and wickedness and sin. They're not to be trivialized. They're not to be played with. They're not to be overlooked or minimized. These are dangerous people in perilous times. Simply stated, there are some things in the church and culture that Timothy must know about. If he's going to be a good soldier, if he's going to be a good athlete, if he's going to be a good farmer, if he is going to be a craftsman, if he is going to be a vessel of honor and a good servant of the Lord, he has to know this. He cannot be ignorant of this. He cannot look at it through diluted lens. He cannot look at it through Eyes that really are unclear about what is happening in the world in front of him. 
Paul is about to give Timothy truth about the church. He's about to give him truth about the culture. What Paul is saying in these opening three words is that it is extremely important tonight for preachers. It's extremely important tonight for church leaders. And it's important tonight for believers in general to understand the times, the perilous times that Timothy was facing and that we are facing as well. Now it's important that we know the Bible. Very important that we know the Bible. It's important that we know the requirements for leaders. That's what Paul's been talking to Timothy about in his first letter and the second letter. It's important that we know those things. It's important that we know uh, about doctrine, that we know about false teachers. It's important that we know about all of those things. But notice the other word he used here in verse 1 is the word also. This know also. What he's saying is, what I'm about to tell you is not less important or more important but it goes with what I've already been telling you. In light of what I've shared in my first letter and in this second letter, in light of all the truth that I have given unto you, there's something also, something else that you must know and you must understand and get a grip on this if you are to carry out the ministry that God has called you to do. That's why Paul used that word also, this know also, this understand in addition, this realize, in addition to everything that I have said to you, you need to understand this. There's other things that you must understand, Timothy. You must know the times. You must know the character of the people with whom you live. You must know the character of these people that are slipping into the homes of the people you pastor. You must know their motives and where they're coming from. And you must know what's going on in their mind and also in their heart. For it is with these people that you are going to minister. It is in this environment that you must keep the church pure and you must keep the church clean. Now, I do not believe these opening words imply for one minute that Timothy was ignorant of these things. That's not the implication of the words, this know also. I don't think Timothy was ignorant of that to the extent that he didn't have a clue that any of this was going on. That's not the thrust of what's being said here. What it does imply is that Paul wanted to stress the importance of him never forgetting what he is about to tell him. The words here, this know also is written in the tense, which means that Timothy is to make this his continual practice. This is not a one-time only knowledge. He is to continually keep this truth in front of him of the times in which we are living. We can be deceived very easily tonight by politicians and preachers. We can be deceived tonight by both friends and enemies. We can listen to the world and we can be deceived into thinking that it's like this and it's like this. We can look at an evil in the world and hear how the world interprets that evil and they almost make it look like a virtue. I read just yesterday an article that was printed by a CBS reporter. And he was, the title of the article was, What Have We Done to Our Children? And it was talking and dealing with transgenderism and all, the, all of this cultural stuff. And the title of the article would make you think, what have we done to our children, that he was going to come at this 
by saying we've messed up our children. We've taught them, we're, we're teaching them that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. We, and that's the way that the heading appeared. But it didn't take but a paragraph into it to find out he was coming from the backside, meaning what have we in the Christian faith, what have we done to our children? How have we suppressed their right to express themselves? That's where it was coming from. Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to know this also, and don't just know it once. He said, know it continually, keep it ever before you of the characteristics of the evil that is in your time. Never lose sight of it, Timothy. Never forget it. Never place this on the back burner, what Paul is about to tell him. Don't put it somewhere out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. He wants to underscore the seriousness of this situation. This know also. He is saying, Timothy, you must have an understanding. You must have a knowledge, a working knowledge. You must have a perception about what's going on in your time that is God-given and is based on the Word of God. I want you to go to two passages with me tonight. The first one is in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. That'll be a positive example of what I'm saying tonight. And then we'll go to Matthew 16 Three and look at a negative example. Turn, if you will, Old Testament, 1 Chronicles, chapter number 12, and we'll look at verse number 32. Now keep in mind the words that, I've, that we're looking at tonight. This know also. This know. You need an understanding, Timothy. You must get a grip. You must know this. You must not, you can't afford to be ignorant of what is happening in these last times, in these perilous times that you are living. And we'll talk about that later. But as far as the Word of God's concerned, the last days began when Jesus Christ was born. They didn't start ten years ago. Perilous times are dangerous times. And, and we've been living in, the, in them ever since the advent of our Lord. But look at 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 32. The context here that is being talked about is a group of former supporters of King Saul when he was reigning. And they have gathered in Hebron to present, to present themselves now to David as David's supporters. They want to support King David now. And the author of Chronicles is telling us different things about different people all throughout this chapter. But look at 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 32. And of the children of Issachar, one of the tribes, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Notice what the Bible tells us about these children of Issachar. They were men of what? Men of understanding of the times. What the Chronicler is telling us here is that they were particularly, and they could be valuable to David, because even though they were not many of them, just a few hundred of them, they understood warfare, they understood the dynamics of what David was facing, and they understood the value of what David was trying to accomplish, and they were men of understanding, men that understood their times. The author of Chronicles is telling you that they are valuable to David, and he is commending the fact that they understood the times. There is nothing, hear me, there is nothing more valuable to a local church tonight, nothing more valuable to a local church tonight than godly men 
who understand the times in which we are living. They understand the Word of God. I'm not talking about perfect knowledge, but they understand the times. There's nothing more valuable to a home tonight than a husband and a father who understands the threat that is in place and active tonight against his home. I want to tell you tonight, gas prices are the least of your worries when it comes to things that are destroying your home. We need men tonight of understanding. David said to Timothy, or Paul said to Timothy, here in our text in, in, in the book of Timothy, he said, This know also, young preacher, young servant, young athlete, young farmer, young vessel, young, young, young master, craftsman, know this, know this. These are the characteristics of the people that you will be dealing with in the days to come. And at that very moment as well. Now, go to Matthew 16 in the New Testament and verse 3. Jesus really is saying the same thing, but presenting it in a negative case. The Chronicler, I can't say Chronic. Well, how do you call a Chronic? I can't say that. So I'll say the author of, Chronic, of Chronicles, okay? I don't, I'm not pronounced, I've mispronounced that three times. But the one who wrote, we'll do it like Caldwell County. The man who wrote Chronicles, okay? Now you follow me, right? He was writing in a positive sense about these men who were valuable to David. But listen now what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse number 3. He's saying here in the negative sense, Matthew 16 and verse number 3. The context here is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and scribes. He's having a discourse with them. And look at, look at verse 2 is where, he's, where I'll start. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Now, listen to what he said. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? He uses it in a negative sense. Jesus said, you're a bunch of men who can look up at the, way, at the color of the skies and tell us whether it's going to storm or not. You're, a, you're good at that. Jesus said you're, you're competent in that area. But He said when you hear me teach and you hear me preach, you do not have the knowledge to understand the very times in which you are living. Now it's one thing to be able to sit around and figure out the political world, the economic world, the social world, and all this other stuff tonight. What Paul is saying to the young preacher is, you better know the time you're living in and understand the evil that is so dominant and is so prevalent going on round about you. I really wish our entire church family were here tonight to hear what I'm about to say. I know some of our workers in the other buildings, they'll listen to the message later. But I wish our entire church family could hear what I'm about to say. It is absolutely of no value to have a pastor, to have deacons, to have church leaders, teachers, who understand or think they understand everything about the political world, the economic world, the medical world, or anything else, if we don't understand who we are and where we're living. We are living in perilous times. Now you know me, I'm not preaching this tonight because we have a certain person who's president or a certain party in power. I have preacher friends who only preach on perilous times when their candidate loses. When their candidate wins, we're in happy days. We've been in perilous, dangerous times since Jesus Christ came 
And they've got worse and worse as far as evil because the Bible said that it would. Now, as I mentioned to you this morning, don't be fooled by that. That doesn't mean the gospel doesn't work because it does silently and sometimes without even being seen. It still works. But Paul wants Timothy to understand this and to know this. This is not a game. This is not something trivial. We need to understand what's happening. Paul is about to be executed. Timothy is being charged with the spiritual responsibility for doctrinal purity in the church at Ephesus. Paul is telling him false teachers are there. He's telling them they're going to get worse. And Timothy must, and I repeat must in verse 1, he must know also. He must know this also. He's got to know that. And we must know that. Not for the purpose of thinking that we've figured out how the end time will play out or for some level of spiritual pride but for the simple sake of the truth. And just as Ephesus must have a leader like Timothy who continues to know this also, West Lenore must have a pastor. West Lenore must have leaders, teachers, and families who know this and who raise their children in that knowledge and with that knowledge and who minister with that knowledge and understand who we are dealing with. Now, I want us to look at Timothy, me, and then us. Go back to chapter 1 of this book, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I, and I want to read verse 1 through 7, and we're going to close here in just a second, but I want to read this because I want, you to, I want you to get the heart of what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Now, I want you to listen for the intimacy, the closeness, the friendship, the relationship that exists between Paul and Timothy. Pay, pay close attention to that, if you will. Paul, 2 Timothy 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with pure conscience that without ceasing... I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. You can't tell a young preacher the first three words of chapter 3 if you're not praying for him. So get, don't miss that. And then notice in what he's saying, verse 4, Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I could go on and on, but do you, do you get the gist of this again? Do you sense where he's coming from? Paul loves this man. Paul loves this preacher. He, he is, listen, he's, he's like Paul's spiritual father. In, Paul is his spiritual father in the faith. There's a relationship here. And that's why he tells him in chapter 3, verse 1, you've got to know the times you're living in. Fathers, dads, if you, if you love your wife, if you love your children, if you love your home, you've got to know where you're living. If I love this church, if I love the people I pastor as a preacher, I've got to know I've got to know where we're living. 
you teach here, if you lead here, if you serve in any capacity here, and you love the people you serve, you've got to know the dangers of the perilous times in which we are living. I wanted to go back and read that again just to, just to stir our memory and see the relationship. Paul cared about this young preacher. And I'm supposed to care about you. And you're supposed to care about your family. And we're all supposed to care about the church. And you should remember all the charges that, and commands that Paul had given this young man. And the metaphors, I've already went through them, of the servant and the worker and all of that. Why is Paul taking the time to be so specific with Timothy? And here's what I want to lay out tonight in closing. Here's what I want to say. I think he does this for two reasons. And that's how it relates to me. Number one. Paul knows who he's talking to. He's talking to Timothy. If Timothy were alive today and had a Twitter account or a YouTube channel, it would be sponsored in part by Pepto-Bismol. This is a weak, timid, fearful young man. Paul loves him, and he says, you need to know the kind of people you're going to deal with. I look at that list of 19 people. I really don't want to run into any of them in the morning. Do you? I don't want to deal with any of that, but you're going to. Timothy was weak. Paul knew it, and he wanted him to know. That's why he tells him in chapter, or chapter 2, verse 1, you've got to be strong in the grace of God. People say, get over it, preacher. You ought to be tough. You ought to be tough. I've heard preachers in pulpits, and everybody thought they were tough. I, you know, and oh, they, you know, they'll charge hell with a water pistol and all that stuff. I've seen them after they come out of the pulpit. They ain't none of them tough. Sin, brother, is real. And it's difficult. And it's one thing to stand up here and preach to 40, 50, 100, 200, 300,000 people everything's going for you and the lights are on you and you feel like you can conquer the world and you know nobody's going to say anything back against you. It's one thing to be up there and do that. And then another thing to sit across the table at home with your own son or daughter and have to deal with these issues. Or with your parents or your neighbor or your co-workers. It's another, it's another thing to get in a work truck in the morning and ride to work all day with somebody who's heady and high-minded and who will tell you how they lived in pleasure all weekend while you were here worshiping God. We've got to know this if we're going to fulfill the ministry that God gave us. Timothy needs his eyes wide open and so do you, so do I. I need my eyes wide open. You need your eyes wide open about where you're living this very moment and where, the, and where we're going to be, not only in the immediate future, but in the future to come. Let me ask you these questions, and we'll pick up on these in the next weeks. 1 Timothy 3.1. How does that fit with the American dream? The American dream is this. You're supposed to work hard, you'll be successful, and it'll produce a life of leisure and ease. How does that fit with this no also? Think about that. How does 1 Timothy 3 fit with revivalism that's going around our world, which basically teaches that, that God's just going to come in and sweep us with a worldwide revival and everybody will instantly be what they always needed to be and church will all get better overnight and everything. How, how does this fit? How does the Bible fit with that kind of thinking? And then thirdly, how does 1 Timothy 1 or 1 Timothy 3, 1, the first three words, how does that fit with you and me staying encouraged? 
Yes, we're living in perilous times. Yes, we're living among these characteristics of people. So how do we stay encouraged? Well, let me close by asking you to look at verse 11. At this little, this little tidbit of encouragement in verse 11. Now, remember, Timothy can be strong in the grace, and so can you. But this has got to be so encouraging to Timothy after he's heard about all these reprobates and Janus and Jambres and about silly women and about all the persecution that Paul's been through and all of these, these evil people that's going to be out here. But then listen what Paul tells him in verse 11, the last statement. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Paul is saying, Timothy, as long as you're God's servant, there will be delivering grace and hope. And that's true for you and true for me. And we need to remember tonight that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Lord willing, we'll look at these 19 characteristics of evil people next time we come to the text. But for tonight, I want to leave you with these two simple thoughts. First, in the history of the world, in the history of our culture, and more specifically, in the history of our church, we must know. We must know where we are. This is not 1960. This is not 1970. This is not even 1980. This is not even 2000. We're 22 years beyond that. This is what we must know. And this is where we are living. We must understand what's happening and that the only place for instruction is in the Word of God. Secondly, will you join with me in prayer tonight for God to raise up men? Men like the men of Issachar in the Old Testament who were knowledgeable of their times. Men like Timothy who knew what these perilous days included. And men who also know the Word of God and know how to handle, not that we have the answers to everything, but that we have discernment and that we know. Now, the great cop-out for Baptists, all my, all my years, and anytime you preach on sin, I always hear this. People come up and say, I just pray the Lord will come and get us out of this. Okay, that's what we always think, right? Well, if He does then our Lord's prayer will not be answered. Because listen how Jesus prayed in John 17, 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. That's tough, isn't it? Jesus didn't pray for God to come and just sweep us out of here. Now we're going out of here one day. That's promised. But that's not, our, that's not the answer to this present evil. The present evil, the answer is, Christ has prayed for us that the Father leave us here in it to preach the gospel, to love sinners, to live for Him, and to keep us from the evil. I don't have time tonight, but I would love to tell you, and when I say that, you're afraid I'm going to take time, but I'm not. There was a young man and three other young men, four young men all together in, in the Old Testament. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What great men of understanding. When it come time for the evil to flourish, 
Daniel knew the Word of God. And you know what he said? Prove us. Ten days. Prove us. Test us. Put us to the test and see because we know they had no doubt that their God was going to take care of them. He's going to take care of us. But men, we must know. I must know. You must know. Our church must know what we're dealing with. Where do we get that knowledge? From the Word of God. With the promise that our God will deliver us out of it all. David said when he looked at Goliath in the face, I fought the bear and the lion, God delivered me out of them, God will deliver me here, and He will take care of us. But we're not going to get out of here before we deal with this. We're dealing with it now. And the only way to continue to preach and share truth is by knowing this know also. Father, thank You tonight for the Word of God. I thank You for the conviction, for the instruction for the encouragement, Lord, that you've given to me, even this evening as I, as I mused back over and meditated back over and read again these words. And as I thought about, Lord, how much Timothy loved Paul, and Paul loved Timothy, and he knew Timothy was weak, a young man. And Lord, you remember my frame. You know me. Lord, you know what this kind of culture does to a person like me. So help me tonight to be strong in grace. I do so want to be a good soldier and a good farmer and a good servant. I, I do want to be what you've called me to be. And you know what this culture is doing to our church family and to us as believers. So help us to know. Help our fathers and dads and husbands tonight. Help us to know and to be men of understanding. Grant it to be so tonight. and We'll thank you for it. Give us strength. Give us grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.